Welcome to Greycast, exploring the world of Greyhawk one podcast at a time. This podcast is all about bringing the classic world of Greyhawk setting to life through Greyhawk creators, Greyhawk lore, Greyhawk streamers, Greyhawk stories, and of course the vibrant Greyhawk community of gamers. Thank you for tuning in and let the exploration of Dungeons & Dragons' most classic and revered setting, the world of Greyhawk, begin now. Hey, welcome to another episode of Greycast. All you folks out there fond of Greyhawk, Greyhawkians, if you will, um, I'm Wally Hobbit. And uh, to my right or left, I'm not sure which because we're actually doing this, you know, in virtual spaces so but wherever he is Mateus is with us uh, Mateus, well. how are you, you you know um i'm doing all right it's kind of the dead of winter at least it feels that way it's winter and i feel dead um but we're we're making it you know we got some snow uh, here in the, the shire and uh but not so much that we can't still you know enjoy it how are you okay a okay all right so today and I'm going to show my age here, but today we're going to play the feud. Because um, I remember back in the day, Richard Dawson and Family Feud. And while we're not actually paying, playing Family Feud, we are going to be talking about a kind of a concept of political organization or government that it is pretty pretty typical and common for Greyhawk. And that is, of course, feudalism. And so we're going to talk about like what is feudalism and, and what does it mean and what are its you know various parts and components. But then... Probably more importantly, and certainly more interesting, uh, we're going to talk about like what does that mean to us as dungeon masters and players in D and D, Castles and Crusades, whatever your rule set your your game is. So first off, though, Professor Matthew, Professor Mateus is going to walk us through like what when you say feudalism, like what does that mean? What is that? Maybe where is its genesis? So take first, it away. I Let's think learn it's stuff. Important to note. That in your LGG, Living Greyhawk Gazetteer, it tells you the governmental structures of each government. The mm. following governments are listed as being feudal monarchies Alyssa, Bissell, Celine, mm. Thiriani, Jeff, Grand March, Ice Barbarians, Keeland, Ket, North Kingdom, Nyron, Anwal, Radic, uh, the Sea Barons, the Snow Barbarians, Sterich, Stonehold, Sundi, Ten, formerly. The all of us, uh, 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 the Ulex, the Ernsts, and Zeef. So that's that's a, that's bunch. a bunch. If you're playing, so feudalism is yes, prevalent, and, uh, yes. And, and um, if I was to guess an in world, in game origin to feudalism, it would have originated in the Great Kingdom, and um, feudalism is this idea that all of the land is owned by the king. The problem is these are agricultural societies. They need crops and the king cannot farm the whole land by himself. So he grants fiefs, F-I-E-F-S, fiefs to certain nobles. Uh, these nobles are called tenants in chief. Um, they um, are given big tra tracts of land. They provide, um, and they're they are to take care of the land and also to provide um, men uh, for battle for war if the need arises. Yeah, that's that's really how the crown raises its troops. Is the the people. Uh, associated with each of the That's noble right. and fiefdoms, each of right? these it, um, to help them meet their obligations to the crown these great nobles apportion their thieves to lesser nobles so 
and that's called um, sub-infudation. Let's start at the bottom, though. And Holy yes. cow, sub-infudation. Yes. Are you allowed to say that on a podcast, I don't know. Mateus? I don't Is know that... if I'm allowed to say that. Um, We're going to get knocked off the air right. for that one? Um, let's start at the bottom. I think it's helpful to start at the bottom and work our way back up instead of starting at the top and work your way back to the bottom. Most people live in a village, right? Most, uh, a lot, there are villages throughout the Flannis. The village is going to be centered around one building, each village, the manor house. This is where the the, the local lord resides. Um, perhaps it's uh, a stone building surrounded by a, a wall, maybe a palisade or a ditch. There's going to have there's going to have a number of buildings. It's going to have sheds and workshops, maybe a watchtower. That's the main building. Outside of that building are you're going to be your peasant cottages built by the Lord. There's going to be um, uh, maybe anywhere from 10 to 30, 40 families living in these little cottages. They'll have a small vegetable garden, room for livestock, maybe a few fruit, tree, fruit trees. Um, and they're going to have some plots for larger communal gardening. Uh, there's going to be a mill that everybody can use for the village. Um, and there's going to be tons of arable fields. Um, those arable fields are going to be divided into strips. Um, and there's going to be common ground where they can graze livestock. There's going to be meadows. Um, and important here is that the lord of the manor will have land. That is his land. Right. And here's how, here's how it works. The peasants have a contract with the guy, with the manor lord. He could be a knight. He could be a, a, a minor noble. They have um, a contract with him. They work so many hours a week, weeks a year. They work for so long on his fields. And, for, and, and then they get to work on, so they get assigned strips of land for their own use. And of their own use, um, they um, have to give certain, certain, a certain tax. And that tax is not usually in coin. It's usually in, um, if you're farming uh, beans, you're going to have to give so many bushels of beans. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of things are done kind of in a bartering or trade or whatever yeah. your thing is. Now, That's here's your the currency. thing. A peasant yeah. is locked into this land. He cannot move. It's illegal. That's feudalism. And this provides for his security. But the local lord needs farmers to farm his land. And so he has a vested interest in making sure that his land is farmed and peasants are there working his farms. And so they have a contract. They mm -hmm. work, they live together. The peasants are guaranteed work and their, their lord's protection. Um, so th that's important. That, that's what a serf is. You have free people, you have freemen, people who just rent the land, but, um, the, the manor lord is under no obligation to see to their well-being. And so you're free. Yeah. Cause the peasants are kind of beholden to the manor lord yep. for protection, for sustenance, for that, which they can't produce themselves in return for their... <laughs> fealty right their loyalty mm -hmm. their work yeah, in his right. fields as farmers um i'm assuming this is also the same group of individuals uh from which uh arms will be raised yeah, right. so in the need for war these same serfs peasants farmers i have an answer for will you. but i have a question for you in in my preparation i was looking through this and we had kind of i saw four hierarchies so I'm wondering, is there in, in Greyhawk or in your mind, is there room for a hierarchy between peasant and noble called vassal? Or are you interspersing vassal and peasant, vassal and free man? Um, like yeah. How do you see we'll, we'll, that? Because we'll um, vassals are, are actually also granted a fief, That's right. and it's a tenant arrangement. But they may not work it. They they're almost like wealthier land operators for whom yeah, peasants. Yeah, let's might get there. We're starting at the bottom. Tied to. We're, okay, um, we're starting or, at the bottom with one village, yeah. and we'll work our way back up to the king. 
I think that that'll, and okay. when we get to the king, I think your question will be answered. The other type, so you have peasants, they're tied to the land. You have three yep. men, they can live yep. in cities or towns or rent the tenant farmers who rent the land, but they, um, you're, mm -hmm. it, it's like entrepreneurship. You're taking a risk because uh, right. who are going to be the people who, who are going to starve in a plague or a famine? It's going to be the freemen because the, the, the peasant, the, the, the manor lord is going to want to make sure that his farmers live so that his land is worked because he's got to pay right. tithes up. All right. Some tenant, some pe peasants are called yeomen. Those, uh, a yeoman is instead of farming, he gives his service as a man at arms. Okay. Right? Um, then you have, then you have um, um, a bailiff. A bailiff is um, uh, the Lord might, might uh, appoint a, a dude to represent him. That's a bailiff. Um, uh, he's paid good cash salary. And, um, and uh, yeah. And then you, you can have um, a bigger, a larger family, uh, bigger manners might have a steward um, and, and these kinds of things are all right. There's also going to be a, a common wood. Uh, uh, usually with these, um, with these manners, you'll also have a woodland nearby that's catered, that's, mm -hmm. that, that's um, curated and taken care of. Um, they, they don't wipe the forests out. They, they have, you know, the farmers will take their pigs in there to eat the underbrush, you know, uh, they'll make sure because it, then it becomes a constant source of wood and, uh, uh, for their use. So that's one village. There's going to be a cluster of these villages all by local Lords. Those, this cluster of villages, they will go to market in a town or a city that'll be walled and there'll be, uh, there'll be market day and everybody will bring their goods from from their thing the ones that they have um to the market and, and it gets sold there on market days and and every town will have market days um you also have um if you have issues you'll go and you'll deal with um you'll you'll deal with them on market days you can also um there's going to be, if you have justice, um, that's going to be dealt with then. Um, so you have this, the, the market, um, and that market will, that market town will usually be, uh, there's usually be a castle or a keep there, which will be held by a noble of, uh, by a noble or a knight, um, who holds control over all of this group of manors. And this, when you have a market town, and a group of manors by local that, that's a that's called a, a a thief and it's um those are usually called hundreds all right and a group so a group of a group of uh villages with man manor villages with a town and a village is called a hundred a group of those is called a shire um and um and each each kingdom is going uh, um, going to be divided into um, you know the names of these might change uh, based on which kingdom you're in in Greyhawk, um, but right. uh, province, province, yeah, county, yeah, but yeah. Um, typically, uh, groups of villages are called a hundred. Groups of hundreds are called shires. Um, in a, a, the the person, um, there's the chief officer of the shire is called the sheriff. <laughs> sheriff. Um, S-H-I-R-R-I-F-F, -F, yes. if you're in uh, yeah. Hobnes. Their job is to collect Sheriff. the king's taxes and provide uh, uh, for intelligence on local. Oh, the tax collectors yep. and money changers. We know where yeah, this goes. Right. <laughs> um, you also have um, forests. For, you have foresters. Foresters are charged uh, to keep the royal forests, um, right? So you follow me? Um, yep. So peasant yep. or serf, yep. lesser noble, which is kind of a little village with maybe a little main mm -hmm. grange hall, yep. mill. Collections of those are all tied to a smaller city or large yep. town that's walled with usually a keep and a law enforcement. The militia is yep. headquartered there for that hundred. And a group of that probably has a capital that that yep, group of hundreds right. is a shire. Um, I think my question, you've answered it, 
in a roundabout way because there's the the hierarchy i looked at went just straight four levels like yep. king noble vassal serf and i think that layer of noble that you described yep. is the vassal and then the bigger noble that has numerous hundreds like that has a whole yep. shire is a noble that's and then you have the kingdom above that so that's yes, where i that's was right. wondering and, and even in your serfs there are three types yeah. of serfs depending on how much acres they're given to work on their own you have right. Tars, who are given one to five acres half villains v-i-l-l-e-i-n they're given 15 -I -N, acres yep. and to work and a villain is is given 30 acres to work generally so so there's yeah there's yeah, different types of you really emphasize a key point there that 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 the serfs are yep. immovable they are this is how it works this is where you live this is where you work this is your role it's very hard cast in most feudal society because that's, yeah, that's how right. the order is kept now you just now, stay in your lane you know if and this is a who serf runs away and he can stay in a free town for a year and a day he's considered a free man and then there's that. Excellent. So there is a way out, which is nice. And we'll get into kind of some narrative ideas in a little bit. But enter the first little crack, you know, of now, narrative opportunity. This is important when you're thinking about what you want to play D&D. You, you're a DM. You're starting D&D. You want to start your place. You, you've picked a kingdom. You want to start in a village. You want to make, you want to do your own village. You want to just homebrew it. All right, you, you have a little notes. This is what this is what most villages in those lists of kingdoms I said are, are going to look like. There's going to be a manor house. There's going to be so, um, um, you know, that's the you know those are going to be the little villages that you're going to find. And so this helps you to understand how how you can design your own village based on you can go um, based on the feudal system the, the the feudal system that these things have. Can I ask another mm -hmm. question? What resource are you using that we might share? Because this has got structure and nomenclature and because, you know, I don't want to remember all this crap because I'm too old, right? I'm an old hobbit. So I'm just wondering because you kind of have your research in front of you there. I can see uh, what you're doing so, over there, Matthias. So where, where did you pull all this? Two sources. The first is a book called The Time Traveler's Guide to Medieval England. It, it is a first-person almost like a dungeon master is guiding you through this is what you you go into the city this is what it smells like this is what it looks like here's where you can stay here's where and, and so it, it, it actually wow. describes life in 13th century england um and yeah. and so there's a good section there's a good chapter in here that that explains how all this works um and, and 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 um that would be a great book you can get a physical copy you can get an ebook copy you can also get an audio book if you if you it's on audible so if you prefer to listen mm -hmm. and have someone talk to you about this just a great voice actor british voice yeah. put you to sleep it'll be great oh cool the, uh, so if you want to go all crunch and all detail in your you know really embrace feudalism that would be a great yep. resource as a yep. dm this, if you want to bring some yeah for if all you want to bring some realism th this would be a great book the second um, has long been the second source has long been um, mined for uh, Greyhawk, and that is um, I'm using the uh, description of, of uh, feudalism from the old Harn books. Harn was a setting that came out in '82 and was supposed to be uh, um, supposed to be very oh, -A -R -N. A -R -N, yeah, supposed okay. to be very feudal based. Well, they in here they have a great just overview of what feudalism is and yeah. and specifically the the details that you need to run a game well, that's yeah because it brings your game to life you know it's one thing to know like well these are the four the four hierarchies yeah. and all but you've got details like i found one cool detail online like before a lord could grant land to to a vassal they do this commendation ceremony yeah. Right. So one part of it is homage to the Lord. The other part is an oath of fealty. So there's some detail out there, but to know of two yeah. places where our listeners so, can go for resources. And so, yeah, in this, it's right. here's the titles you have um, Earl, Baron, Manorial Lord. All right. So you have your, your local Manorial Lord. Above that is a Baron. Um, and above a Baron, um, 
is going to be an Earl. Um, and um, and um, above Earls um, are going to be Kings. Um, so that, that gives you the hierarchy. King, Earl, Baron, Manorial Lord. All right, I'm going to... Um, this king yeah so so that's 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 important to see um your 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 baron is gonna a barony usually has 10 to 30 manners um so that tells you how, how uh, um that's also known um um yeah a 10 to 30 manners and an earl um an earl owes the king service um of about a king, the earl will have a uh, usually a castle, sometimes a keep. He'll owe um, the king uh, anywhere between sixty to one hundred and twenty knights, um, and um, yeah. So, so that, that that's important. And um, yeah, and uh, so we we see here. I think this is this is helpful because it it um, helps us to see how these. Um, realms are structured, um, and right. um, by the way, uh, uh, in the old basic expert sets of D and D, and I think in, it's in the old one e two e versions too. But after you got to a certain level, you could um, get a manor, get a um, get a, a, a king if you're in. Uh, a fighter, you could get a, a keep, and and these kinds of things, right? <laughs> well, that. thieves are usually granted in in providing military service to the liege, an earl, uh, and then and so um, your adventurers, if they're higher level, can be given a manor. Um, so so you, you know your adventurers could your adventurer could be. Uh, uh, given a a manner or a series of manners, um, and, and so um, when they're not uh, away adventuring in their um, downtime, they're managing their estate, they're farming, they're you know um, bringing their taxes to the to the lord ahead of them, um, um, and and there's lots of um, opportunity here to get adventures going which um involve the what would seem ordinary mundane stuff um you know orcs have, have pillaged your manor and now your 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 uh, peasants are all um your farmers are all um scattered and out of work and and and, and they require you to go and, and and respond back um um somebody has stolen your taxes your tithes that you have get, had to give to the king <laughs> um, um, so now the king's mad at you for not paying him, um, and you don't have any extra um, cows and grain to to give. So you know, um, or maybe there's a rival. Uh, maybe you know. So there's lots of different ways that that this can, um, the the I think this can can work out. Well, that's uh, man, that describes so much of Greyhawk. But in you know, in my experience playing D and D, I haven't spent a lot of like we take all this stuff kind of for granted, but we never really dive into it and use it as mm -hmm. narrative fodder. It's just like well, there's always a lord, or there's always a bailiff, or there's always a you know, and 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 aside from this, or beside it, are special advisors uh, who are usually paid non familial. Uh, individuals who are either in the king's court or maybe yep. in the the house of the noble, uh, like the baron or the earl. That's right. There are then there's the clergy, um, who are sometimes the the monarch, the crown, and the clergy are mm -hmm. are tied in in dogma and doctrine, and other times various uh, uh, doctrine and and faiths are permitted yep. within a kingdom, and some are prohibited, but they're usually not mm -hmm. unless you're like thinking of the pale. Usually not That's part right. of and, the structure, and just like they're, in they're a side um, thing, uh, the real world, um, your biggest landowner in your kingdoms are going to be the 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 Greyhawk religions. 
whatever the, the whatever the highest the, the churches are going to own most of the land. So um, they're the, the, you know so whatever or maybe one or two depending on how you want to uh, parse that out. Um, but yeah, and and I think some of that's driven by dogma though because some faiths are opposed to land ownership. So. You know, there may be a simple temple, or it may be a grove, or it may be a collection of stones, um, or like in the case of like a highly ordered faith, like a Paylor, or you know something like that. There's going to be, like you said, or like Saint Cuthbert. There's going to be a mm-hmm. temple with an, its own hierarchy of clergy that are landowners that would be maybe looked upon as the equivalent of a baron, let's say, or or an earl, or a special part on now, the court. Um, um yeah there was an old dragon magazine and i don't know which one it is i just have the cutout and it was an update by guy yeah. to the glossography from the box set and okay. he yeah. notes and he notes number one a, a correction to the glossography and then he says this urban area a town or city will have suburbs, which are part of the greater community. The number of these is determined by the people in these lesser settlements. Simply roll a six-sided dice. The result is the total uh, number of additional suburban residents expressed by the percentage, t- 10 to 60% of the population of the urban center. For example, a town of 6,500 6, residents is found to have a suburban population of about 47 40% of the town pop proper and 40% of 65,000 is 2,600. Obviously that's not another town, but there's at least two other communities on the other. And he goes on. So he explains, he gives you a mechanical way to say, I have a town. How many villages are there going to be? Or, right, right, right. Or, or, for, um, for home um, or what, yeah. how many people live in, actually it's actually not that how many people live outside of the town and so he gives you that mechanic then we know that um a a typical manor will have 10 to 30 families so families you think average maybe five five to eight depending on how big you want your families to be so you can right how many generations are present so you can you can start to um you can start to make a whole a cluster of little of little villages all around your your town. Each one of those villages has to have a lord. Um, a cluster of those need to have. So you can start. This is the why I want to talk. Is you can have a town that you want to play in, and you can have all these little villages that you are making up, and uh, you can set uh, the the shires, the hundreds. You can set nobles in charge of them. You can name them. You can create the intrigue. Um, if you're tying it into the Great Kingdom, you can pick which of the family lines they are. They're in. Um, same thing with Keyland, or likely any of the other ones. You can, um, and once you start to do that, um, not only does it give your Grand Hawk realism, it, I think it also gives, as you're doing this. I think game juice will start to flow and you'll start to think about the logistics of all these different little villages existing there. That's, that's what I like about this is, is all of this structure at the end of the day provides um, opportunity for narrative as a DM or character background as a player. Um, So Let's transition. Kind of trans- Let's do it into that, or, think, or is there still? This is just a very basic uh, overview. I, I would suggest if somebody wants to, dig, if a DM wants to dig into this, they can go, um, they can go and grab um, uh, the Time Traveler's Guide to Medieval England by Ian Mortimer, or go grab um, um, the Harn World, the, the Harn, Harn World. Harn world uh, yeah. Can we put those in the? like some kind of info about that in the uh, show yep. notes or whatever the whatever you, you tech people call that that's part. right yeah. well um and we'll, we'll put those there and um um as uh, our good friend Les oblivion seeker 
um, told me uh, there's a long history of of raiding Harn for use in Greyhawk. Um, <laughs> because okay. um, yeah. it, it, back in the day, it was, uh, yeah, it's been around. So you wanted to transition. Let's transition. Okay. So your part of this was the kind of the blocking and tackling part, like what is feudalism and, and, and what is it specifically in Greyhawk? And you've laid this out beautifully for us. Um, I have a good picture in my mind um, as a as a refresher summary to link to where I'm headed. You have serf and peasant. Someone there is kind of vassal. And I was doing some more research as you were talking. And, and the, the I think the difference between vassal and peasant, mm. vassal is more the military, like the yeoman. Um, they're 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 contracted for land, but they're also sure. asked to yep. pledge fealty and homage. But it's an agreement. It's not a mm -hmm. peasants are yeah. there for generational, right? So vassals are a little bit more of a transaction, and they're really primary purposes for military aid. And then you have the three layers of noble ascending uh, from manor, so large estate, least noble, to baron, which is probably a keep, village, town, and then the the big. Uh, noble is Earl, and then above that is the, the crown. So my job in this little chat was to come up with, like, what are some themes or narrative ideas for the various components of this hierarchy? And a lot of tropes are pretty familiar, right? So let's start at the bottom like you did. We'll just follow your lead. So at the peasant level, um, you know, they're farming, they're crafting, they're artisaning, um, and their primary currency is whatever their skill set enables them to produce. And so that's the basic life of the peasant and, you know, uh, offspring of peasant become next generation peasant. And that, so it goes unless someone, you know, makes off and, and is able to stay elsewhere for a year and a day, and then they're considered to be free. Um, so what, how on earth can you turn that into narrative? Um, perhaps through their work, they discover some form of corruption. Um, a lot of peasants will, depending on the faith and the dogma, they may attend church, if you will. We'll just put it in those simple terms. They may discover some form of corruption amongst the clergy or between vassals um, or, or between the vassals and their lord. They may discover, well, here's a narrative hook, right? Peasant discovers something of great value on the lord's land. Maybe they open up a fissure in the ground while they're farming and, and find gems or a pocket of whatever, um, or they, they find a little uh, vein of silver in the hills and they keep it to themselves. They don't tell the Lord because that's the Lord's land, but the Lord doesn't know, right? So there's an adventure hook. Um, maybe through some divine means, the clergy finds great favor or divinity within a family of peasants. They've found that the through their, you know, that they're touched by the, the deity. Um, maybe the peasant has done something great. Perhaps they saved, here's a tired old trope, perhaps they saved a child of the noble from the, the uh, charging wildebeest or whatever, or they've performed a miracle. Let's tie it back to the clergy finding a divine streak in a family. And they've been granted audience at the court of the king or even at the earl. Um, and, or, or, or they have some expertise that's recognized to the point where they become a, an advisor to, to one of the Lords. Uh, perhaps, you know, you go a little darker, maybe they're a, a victim of abuse from one of the higher stations. One of the, you know, like perhaps the Baron level is a scuzz bag and, and they go around and abusing peasants and things. Uh, um, and this particular family or, or hero, uh, manages to escape the abuse and, and blow the whistle and get the baron de-baronified or whatever. I'm just making up words. So some sort of thing like that. Or perhaps they they just have an affinity with with uh, weapons and they train and they become a vassal and work their way upward. Um, you know, they and the good old classic, hey, you know, I used to be a peasant, now I'm an adventurer. You know, they escape and they become a free citizen. So those are some some things that kind of popped in my head and I just made a, a list don't forget stuff that, um, um, at the vassal, there's another idea that um, the local manorial lord could be replaced. So, you know, they had a, they had a nice, yeah. they had a nice lord who took care of them and who, who, who was, who was good. And, and uh, you know, he, he brought everybody into the manor house for, for the feast days and, and made sure they were fed and, and he, you know, he was a good guy and then he dies 
or is out of favor and the, right. uh, replaces him with a, a, a cruel bastard. And now, and now yeah. the, they don't like it anymore. The, uh, uh, yeah. You know, they don't like, uh, and so um, in the Middle Ages, um, the, the treatment of the serfs got so bad that it led to the peasants' revolt. So you can have peasant revolts. Right. Um, yeah, that was one of mine, like, they pulled together a rebellion against one mm -hmm. of the noble houses. Um, or perhaps one of the vassals killed a peasant or, you know, raped a, a so, daughter. So you're, you're going, now you're going um, up one revolt. to the baron level. Yeah. Yeah, so I want to go up to the nobility strata, right? Because again, vassals are are similar to peasants, except they're contracted and they're pledged versus they're cast there by their station, right? So I'm picturing a vassal could be a free person coming in, or or perhaps someone of the peasant class who's found uh, to be skilled with blade. Um, and so all of the themes that I mentioned um, among the peasant class could be present in the vassal class. So the nobility present some interesting things, right? Because nobles are usually oh. a house oh, um, bound by familial tie. Right? Rewind just a second. I got your actual answer. Here we go. Okay. I'm going to read this, this section on Baron here. The word Baron is a generic term for any major land-holding noble with less status than an earl. A barony can usually contains a keep of 10 to 30 manors. In um, smaller regions, a baron may not hold a keep. Regardless of the size of the barony, a few manors will be direct. A few manors will be held directly, held directly by the baron and managed by his bailiffs. But most will be had, held by vassal knights. Some barons are vassals of an earl, and some are tenants in chief, holding the um, holding directly from the king. So here's the idea: um, if a baron owes his allegiance to an earl, he's a vassal. If a baron gets his barony directly from the king, he is called the tenant in chief. A, a baron may also have vassal knights holding a manor. So, yeah, I think the key to yeah. vassaldom is the whole knighting of someone. I you know where they have to pledge their they have to yeah. give homage and pledge fealty. So versus yeah, like a peasant, right. you just are. Right. Or if you're a member of the monarchy, you just yeah, so, are because so, you're family. Where the vassal, so a vassal is a transaction. could be either your local man or lord, who's a who's a knight, mm -hmm. who's a vassal of the baron, yep. or your your baron could be a vassal of the earl. Of the earl, right? Okay. Yeah, I think the key to the the thing that ties any vassal to any other vassal is the fact that they have taken a pledge. They've had a ceremony, a ritual of some sort that they have pledged themselves. Um, and in some cases, you know, they come annually and re-establish their pledge. You know, let's uh, recite our baptismal vows if you're Christian, right? Um, around the Easter season, um, where you come as a vassal and you re-pledge your fealty. Pe right. Peasants and serfs don't do that. By their existence, by their very nature, they are bound to the, the Lord. Um, so narrative ideas at the nobility level. Um, you know, noble house fails to live up to its obligation to the crown, you know, for whatever reason, million ways that can go. Uh, corruption within the house. Perhaps a noble, perhaps an earl, the largest earl in a kingdom, decides to challenge the crown's legitimacy by producing um, documentation that, that breaks Boy, the line of secession yep. uh, in the family line or finds an illegitimate, let that the current monarch is not a legitimate heir to the previous. Um, perhaps the noble's house are through records and history, maybe even divination magic, are found to be charlatans going back generations. Um, they're not who they claim to be. Um, or just good old-fashioned politics, because a noble, right, whether it's an earl or a barony or a uh, manor, the yeah. lead noble, if you will, it's all familial. So like the house of Fry, right, is an earldom in the kingdom of blah, blah, blah. Well, so it's a, a family, and, and within a family, of course, there's politics. Um, there's backstabbing, yeah. there's chaos, right? Let Just me, think, you know, desperate housewives, whatever you want to do there. But also politics between That's houses right. inside of a kingdom. That's noble houses right. vying for more land um, yeah. or more and, favor. And to to, um, to um, your, your LGG will help you with this a little, with some kingdoms, like Alyssa, all the principalities, 
are, are listed out and, and who where the capital is and um, who owns it and what house he belongs to. Um, and house, so yeah. the, the principality would then have several um, shires and several hundreds. And um, right. m- m- most of them are probably going to be of that family. But what if one, what if a, a di- one of the rival families takes, takes a shire or a hundred? Um, and, yeah. and so now, you know, Squabbling of the manor yep. uh, level, you know, beneath the earldom or the baronies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the houses is found to be slaving mm-hmm. because very important to this. This is not like That's if you're right. a peasant, you're not a slave. Like it's not a bright outlook. Let's not sugarcoat it. Right. But you're not a slave because you're getting That's something right. in return for your long, long, long toil. And that safety, food. security, and yeah. essentially food and shelter. You typically don't own the cottage right. in which you reside, right? It's all part of the Lord's. Um, so slaving, mm-hmm. one of the noble houses is slaving. Um, one of the nobles commits treason against the crown. And, and you can, that leads you to, well, what is treason? Like what is the crown's yep. mandate sure. for their kingdom? And you create that and then you break it with a noble. Um, a noble is, you know, introduce coin and value. And now a noble <laughs> is actually spying for a rival kingdom. And, and maybe the peasant discovers yep. this or the, one of the vassals. Um, you know, and that vassal who's sworn fealty to the noble has to decide, you know, if you want to get into oh, like and the character and lots of vassals. and all oh, that stuff. This is um, good. You know, that's lots of vassals. Um, if you're looking for backstories, um, easy backstory. Your vassal, and you're playing in the 590s, your vassals served in the Greyhound Wars. Easy enough. Uh, yeah, because there's kingdom oh, versus hey, kingdom and all of you're, you're, yes, yeah, and maybe they, they come from your service with yeah. a grudge or or a backstory that that they're just laying and waiting mm-hmm. for their opportunity. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So things like extortion, uh, skimming mm-hmm. taxes from the peasants, yep. and not paying them upward like they should, withholding support over whatever you know upward toward the crown. Uh, romance going downward is always you know, because of the structure and the hierarchy. That's you true. know, nobles and peasants typically don't fraternize. Um, so that's another, again, a little bit of a tired trope perhaps, but there's all of these different things. And then finally at the crown, the monarch level, you know, the, the big obvious ones like military campaigns, relationships with other kingdoms, uh, threats to trade, whether it's between the two kingdoms or a third kingdom, or as you mentioned, the, the bad, bad yeah. orky people have come this down is, from the mountains is, and they're messing up our caravans. This is um, important. So, so kingdoms banding um, together. You know. If you're, if you're a DM and you need a plot hook and your PCs have done something, the question here is follow the money. Right? Sure. Right. Who funded follow them? the money. Right. Um, because of the feudal system, you're going to, the money, um, it, you know, a lot of times coins aren't as common in a feudal system. It's, you're going right. to, it's goods. It's goods. Um, and everything's interlinked. I mean, everything, you know, it's like uh, that, that game where you take a sponge and I'm going to trade right. it up until I own a boat. And every right. time I but, trade it, I go up in value. Yeah. Well, if you trace so, that backwards. So, so whatever it kingdom, is, um, yeah. let's say it's gems. Well, you're, it, follow the money. Your gems had to come from miners. Your miners, you know, so follow, whatever, follow the money until you get back to the, what relationships yeah, to uncover. until you get yeah. back to the noble or maybe the 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 the, the manor lord or the, the baron or the earl whom you've affected and now you've got an enemy right you gotta follow yeah. the money back um and that can help uh, create lots of plots because it well that's the joy of having this rigid structure because everything has steps and direction like you said follow the money this there's an, a distinct economy that's created in this structure that goes bottom upward all the wealth flows up to the kingdom in fact the peasants like mm-hmm. you said very rarely have hey, any you could have you could um, have uh so um, other thoughts and, and because about, not every kingdom in the flannis is feudal but a good chunk of them are you could right. have peasants hearing about how how great the yeomanry is how they have they're they're a republic and and, and you know everybody owns right. their own land and and you know uh, well, I want to. I want, and you have all these runaway peasants, and well, well what do the what does the what does the king do with the fact that his nobles are all complaining that their peasants are all running away to the neighboring kingdom because 
right. you know, you know, that might not sound. Yeah. And that's out on the, like yeah. the borderlands of the, like the shires yeah. that are closest yeah. to the border. No, that might not yeah. sound like, yep. and maybe there's some skullduggery afoot there that yeah. they're being wooed away for greater purpose. Yeah. So the other ideas I had in the monarchy piece that maybe sure. even tie to that, like assassination, someone, someone has paid someone to assassinate someone. Um, a break in the succession plan, again, challenges to legitimacy, whether they're from within the kingdom or neighboring kingdoms, or again, just an evil like Ayuz, uh, an agent of Ayuz. Um, you could have a royal who is caught thieving or has murdered or has abused a peasant or two or has been accused of that of but is innocent um, or has a dark thing they've done, a misdeed or a secret or a, a curse. Um, you know, in Greyhawk, you know, and I don't mean to paint a negative picture of, of tieflings for say, but it'd be a great example in a culture where, you know, tieflings are of an infernal bloodline. And if you're in a culture where St. Cuthbert is the, the main dude, you know, if, if a tiefling turns up in your family tree, that's going to freak some people out. I, I don't think it's bad, but I, you know, that could freak out the, the St. Cuthbertians and that would be an interesting uh, or here's a dragonborn another, again, example. same thing because a lot of people think dragons are bad. So here's there's, there's all kind of cool um, stuff you can do here. Um, go back to Neural for a second. Neural is held by Count Dunstan. Count Dunstan has one daughter, a princess Evely, or, 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 or I guess I don't know if she's a princess. Evely, Eveline, Evely. Yeah, she goes to Raddick. So she's the leader of Raddick, and her because her father is. Uh, the Count of Neural, that creates a certain amount of tension amongst her nobles. What if Dunstan dies without? She's not of Attic. What if Dunstan? She married. Yep, and and then then he he died, and so now she's she's the Archbaron of Erratic or something. Yeah, Yeah, Archbaroness of the Kingdom of Erratic. If Dunstan dies without an heir, feudal law says she becomes the bear she becomes overnight yeah so does radic yeah. annex but they, neural or does she have can she that's the see, see this is the wonderful thing she, yeah. radic she would have the legitimate claim to to the county of neural but radic does radic have the military force to cross the bone march to secure it against and the answer is no, no because that's how her husband does. Right. <laughs> and and so talking about a circle in a circle, yeah. right? And then <laughs> so so then you have um multiple factions trying to take neural, and you have uh the countess who uh or, or, or uh, Emily, um who who it's her it's her feudal um, right to be the, so so yeah. what does she do? But how does she defend it? How does she maintain it? There's a great adventure, you know, a great hook for a mission, if you will. Find a way, party of adventurers, to get us connected to Neural. Let's it, take back the bone march. It, it, it's just like, um, you know, like England back in the day. England had, had, you know, the king of England would claim to be the king of France, and he loses holdings over in France, and he, you know, all this. this well, and you know, if you think about back in you know the monarchies before they were one by one, you know, broken down by rebellion, with the exception of uh, the UK, all of those monarchs across the European, you know, kingdoms at the time were all cousins. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the czars of Russia. Um, you know, if you think back to like Queen Victoria, she was like <laughs> queen grandmother of Europe. You know, a lot of her uh, children and grandchildren ended up being monarchs later in life of various parts of of Europe and, you know, like the, the, uh, monarchs in, in, uh, the current Royal family in, in England, the, the Windsors are German, but they changed their name to Windsor, uh, during world war one, um, because of the, you know, we don't probably like the Germans a lot, you know, kind of, so all of that familial intrigue and so forth, you could do it at the noble level. You can do it at the, uh, the Royal level. Um, so that's, there's a lot of stuff. And so if you're wondering, like, well, those are D&D tropes. Well, because D&D started in basically right. medieval. The, the cover of the original uh, D&D says um, fantastic but, medieval war games. Yeah. So really, really cool. So if you're looking for ideas, there you go. Um, 
man, we talked for a while on that. That got like, we burned through some time there, didn't we? So, yeah. So when this uh, drops, you'll already be aware of this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, uh, because time is a funny thing. We'll have the, the information on those two resources that Mateus uh, used to pull together uh, his part of this. Um, I just kind of sat down and jotted down. Once I got through the definition of feudalism and the hierarchy, I just kind of set and postulated on various things I could think of um, for narrative ideas. But I've got two, three pages of of kind of an outline form broken down by a hierarchical level. And I didn't even get into narrative ideas outside the hierarchy, which I'm thinking, mm-hmm. you know, the church. The church is found to be doing corrupt or evil things. Or maybe the advisors to the royals are yeah. actually spies, but nobody knows this. But the DM knows this, and maybe one of your characters is one of the spies. Or one of the church clergy is, you know, from not who they claim to be. Uh, maybe somebody... Um, from the church discovers a boon or a magical item or a source of magic that changes everything or a clergy member falls from grace. I'm thinking of all these servants and diviners and mages and sages who work for a kingdom at the court level, all the intrigue and things that can happen there. Uh, Maybe they're members of factions outside the kingdom. Um, So, you know, there's also narrative ideas outside of the, you know, royal noble, vassal surf structure um so a lot of things you can do so anyway um we could probably go for for days on that that's an interesting thing um all right well um i guess this means we're done so any last thoughts mateus any other uh, ideas you want to share before we no, put this one in the box? no we can we can end this one here and i, I think it was a, a a good a good way that we can um note that many of these realms in greyhawk are feudal and that impl- that means something and that that gives that gives you the yeah. dm a big sandbox and a big scaffolding and structure to play with and to develop uh to develop the yeah. world to make it his own and i like what you just added there right to make it his own that was the wish of gary gygax to make greyhawk your own and he's provided all of this structure but it's it's framework it's not required structure you must follow this um it's various and if you dig into those different political organizations that you find in the the glossography or the living greyhog gazetteer you'll see they're all structured in different ways so you know dig into it learn about it and you know add it to your game it makes it very much more real that way so thanks and be safe and be kind to each other out there on the roads and the trails of the world and we'll see you on our next episode great You've been listening to the Greycast Podcast, where we explore the world of Greyhawk one podcast at a time. Mateus and I are excited to share our passion for the world of Greyhawk with each of you. We'll drop episodes every other Monday featuring all things Greyhawk. Please refer us to all your cool, nerdy Greyhawkian friends and allies, even your most hated enemies at the gate. Find our podcast on Spotify and be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at Greycast576 to keep up with Greycast. Until next time, remember, it's a dangerous business going out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to.